Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Phil Boogie, and welcome to season two of uh, Isolation Be Like. Yeah, we, we're back, slash, I'm back. <laughs> it's March 1st, and I had not been thinking I was going to record today. But then it just dawned on me, it's been, it's been a year. You know, I'm still processing last March, and here we are again at uh, March 2021, um, and I just got struck and and started thinking about where I was a year ago at this time, and I just felt like I had to take it old school. I just picked up my phone and ran out the house and wanted to talk. So some new things, I, I have uh, some space where I can record. I have, you know, a new microphone, all that jazz, but... To be honest, I recorded um, a season two episode about um, a week ago that I had, you know, kind of in the can that I wanted um, to have ready for the beginning of March. But then um, it didn't feel right. You know, like sort of the spirit of this show has been sort of me being in the space of the beginning of this pandemic and just rolling over one day with the phone and just uh, recording and posting where my head was that day. So for season two, um, we're going to take it back to the old school and keep it there. Um, maybe I'll I'll use the studio for the rest of the season. Um, but it's been a year. Uh, a year. I, um, I can't really put into words how like crazy it is that that a year's gone by since many of us have um, been stuck or chose, I should say, <laughs> to stay in the house because of because of COVID. And what I thought about today when I realized it was March first is that my journey with this started in February. I think it was like February twenty sixth or something when um, I went to pick up my my kids from school. Right. And I think we all have this moment when the world changed for us last year. I had some gradual steps. Right. Um, The first one was I had to catch a train to New York mid-February. By then we were talking about it, but it was overseas for the most part. And I'm on a train. Um, I'm doing a show for the moth and I had to hop on a train. And there were people on the train coughing and I was uncomfortable. I didn't know what Corona really was. I didn't know anything, but I was just like... It was the first time that I was uncomfortable. Not enough not to get on the train, but enough to be thinking about it. And I remember I moved to several seats because there was somebody who had a hacking cough and I moved around and then I ended up sitting near someone who was still coughing the whole train ride from Baltimore to New York. And I remember telling myself, don't worry about it. You know, you know, things like this don't really happen here, right? They don't, they don't happen in America, right? Like I told myself that that stuff that we tell ourselves here as Americans sometimes. It's, it wouldn't happen here like it's happening someplace else, you know, settle down. So I, I go to New York, I do the show, I ride back home, but it's on my mind, right? But you keep pushing. And then I go to pick up my kids. And I want to say it was February 26th. It was the end of February. And there was a little school play going on. And it's a small school, and the play was happening in the gym. 
I go to pick up the kids. Um, they're with their teacher sitting on the floor around sort of the edge of the gym while these kids are doing this little school play. And it's packed around the edge of the gym, all the parents who are picking up their kids, the parents of the people in the play, the teachers, the kids, and everyone's politely enjoying the show because the kids are into it. My kids are small and they were enjoying whatever it was that they were seeing, right? And I walk in and I wasn't uncomfortable about being in the gym per se. You know, I hadn't quite made it there, but I walk in and there's a girl coughing. And I may have said this um, in the beginning of last season, but there's a girl, she is coughing so hard. Her face is red. And you know, if you have small kids, you go to pick them up. It's always someone coughing, you know, spitting up, nose running. So that's not abnormal, but there was something about the way she was coughing that gave me pause. And my daughter was sitting next to her and I was uncomfortable and I wanted to get my daughter out of there. My son was closer to me, so I had him already. So I motioned to my daughter to come near me after a few minutes and we stayed a few more minutes in in the gym. But I remember thinking, we, there's no air in here. We, you know, we were at a, a school where there are a lot of students who did international travel, their families did international travel. And I was just like, this ain't right. This ain't working for me. And I remember thinking, um, we're going to stay home next week. It was a Friday. We're going to stay home. And I go home and I don't really have anything on my mind other than, you know, I just want to see what this is. You know, let's let's settle down. Spring break is coming up for me in a couple of weeks. You know, we can, you know, my kids are small, you know, missing some school is not going to, you know, you know, they'll be fine. And we go home that day and I remember thinking that that's it. This is February, the end of it. That's it. We won't be back until we kind of until we figure out what's going on. And I hadn't had in my mind that we wouldn't be going back forever, but I just thought, if I can't even be in this space with these people without feeling like what's going on, then I can't send them back into a building um, not knowing what, what's being passed around, all that stuff. We didn't have any information. So I didn't go back to work um, that next week. Uh, my kids didn't go back to school, but the whole world was still functioning because we hadn't made it to the mass hysteria yet. So I felt a little bit crazy, right? You know this story. And I went shopping and I bought tons of food because the CD started to quietly, CDC started to quietly say, hey, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have two weeks worth of groceries in your house while we kind of figure this out. And I'm like, I've never really heard. I mean, I know people say that, but I have had not really heard that being a message that people were trying to get to us before in this way. So I was like, I'm listening. And I went and bought three work, three weeks worth of food, maybe a month. And everyone was like, you know, you're acting crazy. Uh, I couldn't even fit all the food in the car. I had a little CRV at the time. I couldn't even get all the food in there, really. I had to, like, jam it in. Went to Costco and a couple other stores. And I came home. It took me about, (laughs) it took me a long time to get the food out the car, a long time to find a place for it. It was a whole ordeal. And my husband politely sat there and let me kind of have my panic Right, even though he wasn't having it at the time. And I sent pictures to my friends of my car stuffed with things, not tissue. I didn't buy up all the tissue. And my friends were like, you know, LOLing and having a good time with it. And then a week later, the world went completely mad. Right. And I think in that week, I was still kind of like, you know, 
We're good. We got groceries for a couple of weeks. We'll be home. We can we can ride this out. I got spring break. The kids are small. We're good. But then it just it just all happened so quickly. And I think we all can remember it just kind of was like this avalanche of information and stay home and hysteria. And I think the moment where I completely lost it, I not think, I know. I got a phone call from a friend. I'm not going to say the friend's name, but I think many of us got this phone call. So I minded my business and a friend of mine called, who I love dearly, said, okay, here's the deal. I just got a phone call from a good friend of mine who um, is with the National Guard and they're going to be deployed and they're talking about martial law. Uh, We may not be able to get outside to get food and groceries. They're going to lock everything down. So I'm running to the store to get everything I can. So I'm just letting you know before it gets out that this is happening. My friend is about to leave. They're going to be in Philly. So you may want to you may want to do what you got to do now. Now, mind you, a week earlier, I had spent more in groceries than I had ever spent in my life. But I, I get this phone call that we're going to be trapped in the house. And it's from a friend. And I'm like, it sounds reason- like at the time it sounded reasonable. And I went from kind of a person who was being prepared you know, just like, hey, let's let's just be prepared. You know, I ain't, I'm not I don't I don't want to be nowhere with no lot of people anyway. So as soon as I realized I, I didn't want nobody breathing on me, once I made that decision, it was easy. I already go to the market early in the day during the week when people are working. That's the beauty of being a professor. I have I have days off in the middle of the week. You know, I'm not food shopping on Saturdays for the most part. I haven't haven't done that unless I absolutely need something. I'm not out there with people. I don't want I, not because of the air. I just don't want to be out there. People are crazy. But I I I, I prepared. I just because I just don't want to be stuck in a, in in a bunch of sort of like lines and things like that. And then I get this phone call, and by then people are starting to buy things, right? And I'm just going to say, I was, that's when I got scared, right? I had been concerned. I had wanted to prepare, but I had, I really was terrified, right? I didn't know what any of it meant. I had seen all these movies (laughs) about viruses knocking out entire populations. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what, what is about to go down? It jumped from being prepared to being absolutely bonkers. I was bonkers, right? I was scared. I was shopping. And what got me was I get that phone call and I'm like, we're just going to buy more food, right? We're just going to buy more food. We're going to buy everything. You know, I bought, I bought water. I bought, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, and I didn't, I had seen by this point, I had seen the lines at Costco. I wasn't going you know, we're going to order whatever we're going to order. And I hadn't really been a person to do deliveries like that, but we're going to order whatever we're going to order and then maybe run to a couple of stores. But what freaked me out, I went back to places like Staples and places where there normally isn't a lot of people. You can grab a bottle of sanitizer or some paper towels and the shelves were completely empty. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. I go back home. And now I'm like in overdrive, overdrive. Like I can't really, and I'm just processing this now with you as I'm talking. 
I spent, I should have gone to therapy immediately, you would think, but I started looking for a new refrigerator. We were going to buy a new refrigerator, but then you couldn't find, this is when I lost it. You couldn't even get another. I wanted a new, a deep freeze, um, in the base, another one in the base. We already got one that was packed. Not a big one. We got a little one. But I wanted another one, a standing one that had freezer on one side, refrigerator on the other, so we could just have milk until 2024. Like, I just was like, I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. So we're going to have, we're just going to have it in here. You couldn't find a refrigerator. The refrigerators, and when the refrigerators were gone, I was like, yo, I can't find a refrigerator. I can't, ain't no deep freezers available. I can understand mass. Mass, you know, I have been on the hunt for mass since like February, right? And I got a couple. <laughs> but refrigerators, I was like, oh, we're, this is the apocalypse. You can't even get a refrigerator. Like, so we're going to have to live off of whatever can fit in this house. You know, do we need, I was like, we need to buy more ice coolers. And I was like, oh, what are we going to do? We only, we only have one refrigerator and a deep freeze. How are we gonna live? I was, I was serious. I mean, but, and what I know is that the way the system broke, well, we couldn't, we couldn't get meat and we couldn't get vegetables and we couldn't get soap and tissue. What I know is my fears weren't that unbounded. Like the system collapsed, right? You know, but not to the point where we were the walking dead. Like I was, I had, I had taken it to walking dead levels. Like, okay. You know, I haven't used like a map with like a Thomas guide in a long time, but if we have to get out in these streets without GPS and use a map, you know, where do we go? Where do we, <laughs> where do we walk or where do we uh, ride our car to and live in the wilderness? Like, I didn't know what we were going to have to do. I bought dried milk. I ain't never bought no dried milk. I bought beans. Oh my God. So, I buy all this stuff at Costco, stuff we don't even eat. Like, we don't even eat like that. But I was like, what do you eat in the middle of a pandemic? And I was just like, you know, dry goods and then beans. I just started, and I like beans, but I I was buying beans we don't eat. You know, I was just buying them. And then the first weekend after I bought all the groceries and I was in the middle of hysteria, so my body felt like we were under attack. Like things, like, like my brain couldn't, remind itself that we still had jobs and paychecks and we still still had our house. We had food. Um, we had some money. My brain could not hang on to that long enough. So I immediately went back to like Little House in the Prairie or something like I, we had salmon that we normally, we had salmon and, and arugula and everything else that we normally eat because I bought that. But I, I remember being in the height of hysteria and that first week after everyone lost it. And I remember going to the kitchen and making um, a pot of um, beans and franks. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I haven't had beans and franks since I was seven, possibly. And my kids have never had it. So they didn't know what the hell it was. And they were just like, what is this? And my husband, again, just kind of letting it happen. But I don't know why I decided to make one pot meals. Like I was just like, I was saving the food because I thought it might be it. I didn't, it, it was insane. And I mean, like, I'm not even joking. So I can't find a refrigerator and I'm freaking out. I am on eBay about to like buy one for $2,000 that really is only 150 Like I was 
had to talk myself down from that. I was like, okay, we can we can make do with what we got. We can ride it out, you know, whatever. And then I said, okay, we need masks. We need all the masks. Like some people bought tissue, which I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you that you made that choice. I was trying to buy all the masks. I don't think I said this before. I think I made some allusions to how much time I spent. I was spending hours, hours every night looking for masks. You couldn't find them. I have some skill in doing research and finding things in part from being a journalist and some other things, but I can find I can find shit if I, if I need it. So I learned how to search. I thought of industries that could use masks. I found back doors into like um, sort of warehouses and f- for hours, hours. So first I would clean the house. This is how I ended up watching, uh, what you call it, um, Handmaid's Tale. So I, I started binging that when the shit first um, hit. I just, I put I had put my headphones on and I was, now mind you, we ain't go nowhere. Wasn't nobody even leaving the house for real. Like I might've stepped outside to take the trash out or some shit like that. I was, I was cleaning the house like somebody in there was an essential worker. Wasn't nobody going nowhere. I was bleaching down the entire. So I wouldn't do the the upstairs until the morning because that's where everybody was asleep. But the downstairs, the kitchen, and then like the family room, like I was bleaching that down, every doorknob, everything. Um, I was spraying the couches because, you know, we sat on them and maybe our pants. Like I was like, so I do that for about two hours. I can get two episodes in while I bleach down every corner of the house. Then I would sit down and then have soda. I wasn't even drinking soda before the pandemic, but I would then I drink a soda and eat some chips. Like I was just eating the worst because I bought all this processed ass food that I didn't even eat. So I'm eating it now at night while everyone sleeps. So that that would be like my lunch break. I would take my 15 minute. <laughs> and then after I had consumed all the sugar and the sodium, I would begin my quest until about four o'clock in the morning of looking for masks while I continued to binge on um, Handmaid's Tale was first. I tapped out after a couple of seasons because I was just like, I couldn't deal with it when they couldn't, when they weren't dealing with race in the show in a real way. I was like, I can't, my brain can't process this and I can't care about this main character anymore. But I, I stuck with it for a while. I would stay up, watch and I, oh my God, it was like it was like I went deep in the web. Like I was finding all kinds of stuff, like just trying to find these masks. So early on, I found a supplier for KN95s, right? But they hadn't said that those were okay yet. And you had to order them directly from places in like China. And I would use the translator tool on the website to figure out what I was buying. And then I just was like, going to buy them because they looked reasonable. They looked like you could use them. But then I was like, what if the Corona, because we were, I wasn't calling it COVID yet. I don't know that we had work. I don't know, but I was still Corona. What if the Rona on the mask and then the box come? It's ignorant, but I was afraid. I was afraid of international sh- of international shipping. So I was like, no, we. I could have had all the KN95s. They were available. They still weren't. I just was like, I don't know. It got to go through customs. There are too many people touching. I don't want it. I don't want it. Okay, so I want 
you know, the respirator. You can't find them. You can't find them. So I finally found some. I bought all the ones I could find, but then they didn't come. They were like on back order, but they took my money. They gave me my money back, but like it was a racket. They were letting people buy them, even though they knew they they didn't have them. And then I discovered, you know, these masks. I won't say the brand name because they're not a sponsor, but it was this kind of mask. It was a surgical mask, but it was layered. It was ones that doctors use, blah, blah, blah. But then they were sold out. And I was like, there got to be some somewhere. So I kept looking, kept looking, kept looking. And then I found a beauty supply store in North Carolina. A beauty supply store in North Carolina that sold them. And they were still kind of reasonable. It was like $20 a pack for a hundred, a hundred and fifty, whatever it was. Again, not realizing we were going to be in the house for yes. Oh, we can, we can get by on. We can do th- three packs. So if you're just joining us from um, one isolation, be like, again, I'm, I'm rocking this on my phone. Um, it is not soundproof. We might hear this garbage truck squeak by in a second. We're going to let it rock. Um, hey, garbage truck. Oh, that's recycling. Of course, they would come and make all this noise right when I'm getting to a point. So I found the mask and I bought them. I was so excited. I spent some money, got got the mask. Um, then I found gloves, but then sanitizer. I found the sanitizer by buying it from um, barbershop and beauty supply wholesale places. And at first they were letting you do it, but then they got hip to that and they started asking you for a license. So I got my sanitizer from barbershop places and I was telling my friends where to get stuff after I found it. I was like, okay, this worked. And then I found all the detergent and sprays from wholesale janitorial spaces. Um, And I had to buy more than I wanted, but I bought it. I mean, I'm not talking, I didn't buy a thousand dollars worth, but I bought, I bought bigger bottles than I might be, would have bought at Target, but I got it. But this shit, it took me hours to figure it out, hours to find which one still had stock, hours to negotiate. So I get these masks from North Carolina from this little um, beauty supply store that had a connect somewhere. And they would get it sent directly to them from um, someplace overseas. So I buy all these masks and then I started getting these phone calls from North Carolina like, on my phone. I was like, who was calling me? And I didn't know this number. And there would be the woman from the beauty supply shop talking about, I got that new um, supply. You you need some more masks? And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I wanted them. But I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I got a mask connect now. This is, this is, this is where I was around May. This is when I had my mask connect contact. It was around May last year. But just, that was real because we weren't going to run out of masks. And then I started buying sort of the cloth. Mask. Like it was just, I was obsessed. I was not well. I wasn't well at all. Um, and, you know, thankfully my husband and I were on the same page about staying home because it just made sense. So we, we were on the same page with that. Um, and thankfully other people in our tribe, for the most part, um, understood that and we we worked together to keep each other oh my god please get, I'm I'm please get this garbage and, and be gone we were all on the same page 
So that made it a little bit easier. But I was afraid mostly and not for myself. I was afraid for my kids. Like I just didn't want them. I didn't like I would look at them and just think, what if something happened? I just couldn't. And the thing is, you know, it's not over. I haven't gotten vaccinated. My, my husband has. Um, and I still worry. You know, I'm not as insane. Oh, my God, this truck is killing me. It is killing me. Welcome to Isolation Relax Season 2, Keeping It Real. I'm still worried. I'm still worried, but I'm not. I'm not bleaching down the house no more in the same ways. And I'm not. Wearing a hazmat suit when the groceries come to my step. Um, I'm still not really trying to be anywhere. Like, I don't go to the grocery store. I've gone a few times in the last year, like a couple of times in the last year. But for the most part, I'm home. But that whole period was crazy. I was frightened. I was not well. And I felt myself wanting to stop searching, stop looking for supplies. I knew the supplies were not going to save me. I was already in the house. We weren't going anywhere. So if, it, if we got it, you know, it was beyond our control, right? It was to the point where we needed some repair work done in the house. And we kind of were like, not not on my watch. Nobody coming in here. But it, it, at a point, the steps of the basement were broken. Like, we couldn't get we couldn't get down to the washing machine. We couldn't get down to the food <laughs> that we had stored. So we had somebody come and do the steps. And I took the kids out. Um... You know, for a drive in the car while the man was at the house. And then I came back and opened up every window and turned all the fan. Like, it was just, we kept our mask on for a little bit in the house. Like, it was just crazy. It was just crazy. And in large part, because we had, uh, at the time, people running the government who just, I had no faith in. I didn't know what they were doing. And it's just, I was like, they about to, they about to kill all of us. They so... They're so stupid. I, 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 you know. A year ago. And the thing is, you know, um, I never, you know, I haven't been back to work since I left in February. Um, I live across the street from my job. I just saw it as I drove um, to um, come record this thing. I just um, passed by. Um, the campus um, and waved to it and and started recording. And my kids haven't been back to to in person school, even though their school opened back up. But like, nah, right? So they're home. And it's been some. Let's talk about the good stuff. I'm happy that we have had, even under these circumstances, I am glad to have had this year at home with my family, with my children. Um, I, you know, I'm just going to say, and I've talked about some of this before, but I think the whole idea, and I know people feel differently, and I know uh, people have needs and schools serve a purpose and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm a teacher, so I get it. But I think the way school is set up is just too much. Like, I don't think, no, I don't think outside of needing a place to go while the parents are at work, I'm not even talking about that. But I think it's a long, it's a long day. They don't need to be in school all day like that. I never felt like school, the school day is too long. And I felt guilty about that, you know, sending them into that all day. They're so exhausted. Look at all the kids, they're worn out. And I just don't think... Um, a four or five year old 
and six-year-old needs to be in school all damn day. I just don't. They ain't doing nothing all day. Most of that day is snack, recess, play, which play is important, right? But not enough, not enough play, right? It's just sort of the, you know, teaching them how to um, obey part, I think, is much of what is happening. You know, follow, follow these rules, be, you know, sit, stand, turn, eat. Like, and there's some value to some of that, but it's just all day. I don't, I don't, I know how I was treated in school. Um, my parents had to always come in and kind of check teachers who were kind of messing with me, um, who had their own issues around black boys in school. And then uh, we had to turn around and, and do some of the same stuff for our kids. And I think, you know, black parents um, understand this. Um, you can't avoid that. But it's like, if I'm going to send my kids someplace all day, it's like, what am I sending them to? So I had, I, I've enjoyed watching them learn at home. We tried a few things. We tried public school. It was too many kids. Um, the teacher was frazzled, doing her best, but frazzled. There was not enough engagement. We were just there on a Zoom. Not, it just, there was not really learning happening. And then they were just taking up our whole day Got to log on, log log on, then log off. Log back on for music class, which is a teacher playing a video on YouTube for them to sing along to. You know, if you're happy and you know, I don't need you to do that. Okay, log off. Log on for gym class. It's a teacher doing head, shoulders, knees, and toes, bitch. If if you leave us alone, we can go outside and play. We can go run. Why I got to be in here on Zoom doing head, shoulders, knees, and toes? No. So we, we, we stopped that. Uh, we tried a Montessori, which I think I talked about before, where for a day, it was a nightmare via Zoom. They asked us to, <laughs> it was just it was just bad. Um, so we hopped out of that. So we're homeschooling. And even that, you have to get supervised and the supervision is crazy. It's just like, it's all a mess, but it's been great watching how my kids learn. It gives me context for their behavior, context for how they engage with material so that I can understand if we send them back into a classroom, understand what kind of questions to ask a teacher, uh, what, kind of, what kind of questions to ask my kids about the work and about their day. It's kind of cool watching your kids uh, learn how to read and, and do math. And, and you, you know, when you're not with them, you don't bear witness to it. You come home, you get these, you know, worksheets and you just know that they're able to do this thing. But it's been nice to kind of see that discovery happen, to be able to give them a high five and see how proud they are when they learn. And that's something I wouldn't have been able to see in the same ways. And, yeah, of course, we did work with them at home and we did reading all that stuff. But this is different. And I have, I have enjoyed that. We have enjoyed that. So and I think the kids are stronger for it. So that has been an upside. Uh, we've had some adventures. It's, you know, we don't really go places per se, but we get out. We get outdoors. We hike. We do all this kind of stuff. You know, when there aren't a lot of people or any people out, um, we played a lot of tennis. Uh, we bought some rackets for everybody. We played a lot of tennis at the public courts. We did. That part was nice, and it's been good to. I mean, even doing this podcast to to to, to feel free. To just kind of pick up the phone and just start talking and doing something that um, I don't know what it is, but I just I just enjoy doing it. Um, and it kind of has opened me up to some other things. And that's been good. Some awareness, like 
what I'm aware of is my day is I wake up whenever, you know, in the morning, um, 630s, between 630 and 8 somewhere about depends on when the kids start moving around. And then it's all kids until they go to bed in the evening, somewhere between 7.30, you know, 8.15. And then I'm trying to figure out what to do with the rest of the day. You can't. You know, for a while I was, once I stopped cleaning the house for hours, I was like, okay, there's work to do. You know, let me finish some things. Let me finish some of this writing. Let me finish. And what I realized is I started thinking about all the time I had when we were not in a COVID situation. I had days where people were at work and at school and I had the house to myself during the week. Sometimes two to three days a week like that. I have four months off, you know, in the summer. And somehow I felt like I didn't have enough time, right? And that was really, always really frustrating for me. It's like, I have all this time, but it feels like I don't have time. And I can't get things done. And I realized I wasn't really taking stock of what my life really was like. It's like, you know, I am a working parent. You know, parenting takes up a lot of your time. That is just what it is. You make do with the rest of it. You push yourself to do what you can, but you can't do the same things you were doing before you had human beings who depended on you. And I hadn't always given myself permission to do less. And it, um, I was always frustrated. And then COVID hit and I was like, I never have any time, 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 but I'm home all day. And I'm often home with my husband who could, you know, keep the kids while I do some things like he's doing right now. And then it dawned on me not too long ago. And I'm grateful for this. Is that is, is Time has never been my issue. It's been space. I've always had plenty of time, but what I've not always been able to cultivate is space. You know, where's my space in the house? Where's my space in my head? You know, this is why I don't answer the phone. If you're my friend, I just, I, I my ringer's on now because I've learned to keep my ringer on, you know, because it's not safe and you, you know, and you miss opportunities. Like, I, you know, the ringer's on. But part of the reason why I was always off before was that I just felt like, I have so little free time in my head and then this thing is buzzing all day with notifications and emails. Like, I can't stay in the thought. And now I'm really just like, oh, it's, time has never really been an issue. Not for the last. I mean, probably ever. Like, as a professional, I've always kind of controlled my time. There's only been short pockets of my life where I had nine to five as an adult. I've always had time. What I've never really given myself fully is space. People um, often make you feel guilty about space that is not occupied with a job or a task and is supposed to be up for grabs. And I think we all kind of comply with that to some degree. And I and I have fought that. Um, but even fighting that is work, right? Um, I just want some space. This morning I woke up and said, I want to talk. I didn't have a big discussion about it. I grabbed my phone and said, I'll be back. This is space for me. Was it the right time? No, I got other things to do, but I... My head, the space I was in was I want to talk. I want to say what's up. I want to I want to record this this podcast. I gave myself the space uh, to do something unplanned, to sit down and talk. And I think if I can remember that, it's just like I need to make space for myself. Um, that even when I'm home all day with 
I have an office that I can still go to because they let us go to the office. No one's there, right? There's a studio space that I can go to where no one where no one is. My my home, right, is big enough for me to go into a room somewhere if I need to. My car, I can go sit in that like I did when I recorded these episodes. That and all the the time that I've had, like somehow with all of those things, I couldn't get things done. It's like it wasn't the physical spaces; it was the spaces. It's a space in my head where I feel free. Like I don't, no one's waiting for me. I don't owe anybody anything. Um, I don't have to explain where I'm going, um, and that's a really hard thing. Like you know, I was, and I don't know how you get get all of that back, but I know sitting here at home and still feeling like overwhelmed when I ain't got to be nowhere. I'm not even teaching class synchronously. So it's like, I ain't got to be nowhere and still feeling like the day is over at noon. Like sometimes it's like, it's because I'm not giving myself self space to breathe. So I'm working on that. And I'm grateful for that realization because I've been looking for time and that time isn't the thing. I have the time. I need to give myself permission, give myself room to do the things that I need to do, which is good. Um, what else am I grateful for? I've been trying to cultivate this. I'm grateful. I've been grateful for the ability to say, to be mindful enough to say no to things lately um, and really think about how I use my my energy. And that's been good with COVID. Um, just that cultivating that, that <laughs> you know, like just because it's something that could that that would be good for somebody else, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for me. So and just being able to let opportunities go to somebody else because it's not what I want has been good. And I just I'm just grateful that we're still here, right? That we made it, that we're making it. You know, anything can happen at any time. But I'm talking about today in this moment. I'm just grateful that I was able to, and that we were able to go through all of the fears and the adjustments. You know, I worry about what this might be doing to my kids, right? Like, what do they think of the world now? Because we've been so close to home and they understand that there's something's going on, but they can't quite process it because they're young. They're five and six now. Um, what we'll have to do the kind of, you know, for re-entry back into the world, I worry about that, but I, we'll get through it, right? Like we got, like we, like we get through other things. But I'm just grateful that um, for what we have, that we're here. Um, and, you know, that has, that has lessened some of my my worry, right? Uh, a lot of it. Uh, we're good. And I think a lot of us are. We Even when things get rough, like, you know, I haven't made, like, I've lost income. I've lost, I've done, I've, I've had, but... We've eaten every day, and I am, I am grateful for that. Um, and we have what we need, um, and that and that is one of the that is one of the big takeaways from this. Is just like, you know, we spend a lot of time being aspirational, right? Um, I moved to LA when I'm twenty, twenty one, and I. I want to be this and I want to be that and I'm going to sell this many things and I'm going to be a director and a writer. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to want all that stuff, right? And then you keep doing that. You become a professor and then people are telling you, you have to get tenure and you have to get... It's always something else. I've always leaned towards like, I'm good. Like I'm I'm, I'm, I'm mostly, you know, I'm all right with where I am. I could, 
I want to grow and see what's next. But, But then you get caught up in that and kind of where I am now, what COVID has made crystal clear is that I have everything that I need. Everything. There isn't a thing that I need that I do not have. And it's crazy that I didn't already really know that, right? I mean, I want a house near the water, but I don't need that. Um, I want to be on Broadway. I don't need that. I want to sell this book. I don't need that. I want to make this TV show, but I don't need that. What I need is to be able to write. What I need to be able to do is tell stories. And I'm doing that already. I have everything I need. And I think that's what kind of took me from being completely afraid and frazzled to me leveling off and just being vigilant about where we went and sort of being thoughtful about what we were doing is because we're good. I'm good. And everything else is 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 icing. And I'm not saying I don't have issues, that I'm not struggling with things. Like I said earlier, the, the diet piece. My blood pressure went through the roof and I was worried and I went to the doctor and we, we've gotten that back together. And a lot of that was... Um, not moving enough, so I have taken care of that, and also overdoing it with the snacks because I'm at home. I, so we're not doing that. But even that, I had what I needed. I had I had access to insurance. I had access to a doctor who was able to talk to me and just kind of get me right. I have what I need, but that doesn't mean that I'm not still working. That I'm not still trying to improve and 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 make things better. But knowing that you're okay, knowing that you know you're all right, I think helps maintain some balance. And I kind of, I want to stay here. Even now, I probably shouldn't tell the story, but I am. Um, I got a promotion at work and I had an option. I was given an option. How do I want to be promoted? Do I want to be promoted to professor of practice, which I chose that because that's what I wanted. Or do I want an assistant professor um, with the possibility of tenure? And I chose professor of practice. And I made that choice because I already believe I am where I am. I don't I don't need to be evaluated in those ways. Again, I have nothing else to prove. So my thought is that anybody who I'm working for at this point, if they are looking at my career, looking at what I contribute, I shouldn't have to convince them that they should want me to be there forever. Like it's it's right there. And I know that maybe sounds cocky, but it's just I'm not doing that anymore. And I wasn't mad about it. I'm just like, no, I'm good. You know, I, I want to feel some sense of control. I don't want to I don't want to be in the rat race. And it was just freeing to have to make this choice that a lot of people wouldn't have made. But I made the one that was comfortable for me because I, I appreciate and know my value and and I have what I need. Right. I didn't want a carrot dangled over me because I'm I'm good. <laughs> and it's really freeing. I have a book out and I've been getting responses to it and I can I can take the good and the bad because I feel like when I wake up in the morning, I still have what I need, no matter what anyone says about my creative work. It's just and most of it's been well, all of it's been positive, even if not exactly what I want. No one's, you know, throwing money at me, but it's I have what I need. It takes the edge off. I am good. 
just wake up and keep doing what you're doing. We are good. You are good. Just keep just keep doing what you are doing. All right, y'all. I got to get back. I keep it real on isolation. Be like my husband has a meeting at 10 o'clock. It is 10 o'clock. I am late. Uh, I'm going to head um, head back home, take care of these children, and um, we'll be talking more. I'm going to keep this thing going. I just want to thank you again for being part of my um, quarantine um, family. Uh, it's meant a lot, you know. So hopefully we can kind of keep this thing going. All right. Now you stay safe. Continue to stay safe. Um, Stay sane and wash your hands. I'll talk to you later. Peace.